Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Welcome to Netflix and Swill, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. Uh, and I can't figure out why this one button won't work in this one program. Uh, and I have no context for what you're talking about, so I'm going to attempt a topic change. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but no, uh, I reset inputs, or like how buttons are inputting. And uh, after doing such a thing... This one button just stopped working in the program, despite the fact that I'm continually trying to map it, and it's just not working. Is this a video game thing you're talking about? It is indeed a video game thing. Aha. It is It is my back button, which uh, is the worst fucking thing that could possibly not be working. Well, you know, it sounds like a really hard time, and I just want you to know that I'm here for you if you need to talk about it. Uh, I'm fine. I just I just want it to work. Why won't you work? Oh, God. What have I done? But yeah, uh, that's that's my current thing is figuring out why the fuck this stopped working. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I don't know. I'm doing OK. A lot of. Uh, a lot of shit going on at work, but that's normal, you know, normal adjacent. I don't know. Kind of had a rough go of it this week, so it's nice to get a little downtime today. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, work sucks, I know. Uh, hey, there's a new Blink-182 tour coming in uh, 2023, and your boy already has tickets, and your boy apparently has some of the cheapest tickets that ever existed for this concert. Yeah, because uh, Bill said he got tickets, and it was... Uh, Hilarious how much he spent on them. He said he spent $800 for floor tickets. Uh, for two of them uh, combined. And I bought eight tickets and they're, you know, up in the uh, in the arena. And I, I spent $500 on those eight of them for $500. I've got tickets to see Rocky Horror Picture Show on my birthday. Well, there you go. I hope you have fun. But yes, uh, Tom DeLonge is back. Uh, he's stopped chasing aliens and can, you know, come down for a world tour. Although I'm sure he's going to be doing alien shit in each city he goes to visit. Yeah, probably. Aliens exist. All right, that's true. Tom DeLonge, Michael Scott. Wayne Gretzky. All right. Uh, well, let's get into the show proper and talk about some swill in What's Your Swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! Uh, nothing too exciting for me. I'm drinking water to try to maintain hydration and uh, improve the condition of my only human body that I'll ever have. Uh, that's fair. Und du? Uh, I, on the other hand, have... Iron Gate, Green Apple, Grape Ron- Gape, uh, Grape, oh my god, Grape Wine with Natural Flavor, 9% Alcohol by Volume. And now more words to read. Iron Gate Vineyards are located in the central Piedmont of North Carolina, historically known for producing bright leaf tobacco grown on small family farms. We are continuing this tradition of farming the land. The sandy loam soil of the North Alamance County along with carefully tended vines and hand-harvested grapes, produce wines with unique aromas, textures, and flavors. We invite you to come, share our love. We invite, we invite you to come, period. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, share our love. <laughs> come. I'll share something. I'll share some share, love. Share right. your love all over my face. <laughs> of the land and taste the fruits of our labor. Oh, I'm sure you got some fruits for me to taste. Yeah. And we'll, after you're done tasting my fruit, uh, taste my seed. 
Oh, these poor people. I've just ruined their entire brand. Uh, they seem nice. Uh, it's uh, another manager <laughs> special from the grocery store. So, you know, more discount wine. Uh, this one costs ten seventy nine. So slowly but surely, the less expensive wines are uh, ex- uh, disappearing. Uh, it tastes okay. It's a, I think it's a Riesling. The say? Contains sulfites, so Caleb can't have this. Uh-oh. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say what it is. Okay, I thought it was a Riesling for some reason. In my head. Uh, it's, it, it tastes like green apple. It, it, it does what it says on the tin. Well, alright. I'm glad the tin was accurate. You know, this uh, very nice glass bottle tin. All right, let's get into some news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. Uh, So our main news topic this week is all about uh, Netflix's brand new ad-supported tier, which is launching November 3rd. The minute I see ads on my Netflix, I'm canceling. Oh, no. Well... Uh, we have we have great news as I have highlighted all the important things that you need to know about the ad supported tier. All right. So first and foremost, uh, the price for U.S. customers it is six dollars and ninety nine cents. Prices vary around the world. It's in 12 countries. I know the U.K.'s price is four ninety nine pounds sterling. So hmm. fuck us, I guess. Uh, your current plan is unaffected. Let me say that again. Your current plan is unaffected. Uh, I know our listeners are smart, so they already knew this and they were aware of this. But if you're new to the show and you didn't know uh, for the final time, your current plan is unaffected. Yep. Uh, Also, 720p resolution. uh, Basic is now also 720p. Uh, You will be able to expect four to five minutes of ads per hour. Uh, limited number of shows and movies won't be available due to licensing issues under the ad-supported tier. So some amount of content will be missing. Um, you know, any any Netflix originals will still be there. You don't get the option to download titles like you do uh, on the mobile app and stuff like that currently. Uh, yes, uh, I've used that feature a couple times. It's fine. It's nice when traveling. Like, so you have something on the airplane, but that's about it. Like, I'm never on the airplane. So, like, I'm sure parents use that shit whenever they're on car trips. But considering the fact that I don't have kids to entertain uh, and prevent from screaming in the backseat for five hours as I drive along, I don't really use that function all that often. Mm -hmm. Uh, And finally, kids content will remain ad free. That was not including the original press release. That was a, an additional thing that had to be reported. So, I don't know. We said it before, this doesn't affect us, but what do you think of this plan? I mean, it sounds good. It seems fine for people who like it. If I didn't have Netflix currently, that this probably would be what I would go with, I guess. I don't know. I don't really care about things. Uh, Four to five minutes of ads per hour is significantly less than like broadcast television, which is usually like 20 minutes of ads per hour. Yes. So. Uh, Yeah. uh, For for context, go look at any broadcast show that is now on a streaming service and clock how long those are. They're about 22 minutes. And the reason they're about 22 minutes is because they cram eight minutes of ads in per half hour. So you're already getting half the amount of ads per hour or per half hour. It's about it's about a fourth of the ads per hour. Yep. So uh, I don't find this terrible. I think the no ads on kids content is interesting, but also good. Because they're not going to try to sell kit. They're they're not going to put like He-Man toys during fucking He-Man and the Masters of the Universe or whatever show. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if uh, cartoons have told me anything in my life. It's that the only thing you can sell to children is like super soaker, water guns and cereals. So 
Ooh, that reminds me. I, I got all the, the Halloween cereals. So I got the Count Chocula, the Booberry, the Frankenberry. Had some Booberry. I've had a lot of Frankenberry. I've had no Count Chocula yet because I know that's the best one. Uh, Frankenberry is okay. Booberry's also whatever, but uh, Count Chocula, I'm waiting. Yeah, I don't ever remember getting Count Chocula, Booberry, or Frankenberry when I was in my youth. Um, I got some last year because I was like, oh, I don't know if I've ever had this and it's a temporary thing, so I'm going to try it. And I was very underwhelmed. I also think they've removed a lot of sugar from cereals as time has gone on. Like, I, I, I specifically remember Count Chocolate cereal being just fucking nothing but sugar. And now it's like half sugar. And so you actually have to taste the other flavors and it's just, it's not it. Yeah. I'm trying to think, uh, I don't know. It's like, I think the second or so episode of Futurama where Fry was trying to adjust to the future and they had Admiral Crunch and Archduke Chocula. And I think (laughs) that there was a, I think that there was a third pun. Ooh. To show how the, you know, they had gained ranks in the passage of time. I'm trying to think. Not Lucky Charms, not Frosted Flakes, not Fruit Loops. Caffeinated Bacon, Baconated Grapefruit. Or no, I think I think it was just the two, because... Uh, Fry was like, yeah, all the gre- the the breakfast offerings. This is like nothing to do with anything. I'm off on such a wild fucking tangent right now. Uh, it's, it's fine. But like, uh, he was like, yeah, there's there's uh, caffeinated bacon, baconated grapefruit, and Admiral Crunch. And Leela goes, if you don't like that, try some Archduke Chocula. I think that's the entire joke. Um. Follow me for more partially remembered comedy skits. There you go. Uh, yeah, so that's the ad tier. Uh, anything else you want to say about the ad tier? No. Okay. Uh, so again, get it if you want. If you don't want to, no one's forcing you. Don't complain about it online. Just don't get it. Uh, and with that, let's get into downstream and talk about some trailers that we watched uh, that are vastly disappointing baby i can't control the internet that's my favorite line and yet we still have to talk to them um about them yes we can talk to them hello first trailer your name is wendell and wild uh you're from director henry Selick of the nightmare before christmas and Coraline fame and <laughs> producer jordan peele of nope get us out fame uh I wish that was actually the the way his movie titles lined up. Oh my god, that'd be so good. They team up to bring us a Phantasmic Thrill Ride and the new stop animation feature at feature. God, I need my glasses when I do this show. Uh, Wendell and Wild, the titular characters, a pair of demon brothers played by comedy icons. Key and Peele tricked troubled teen Cat Elliot into bringing them into the world into... Jesus fucking Christ. Covering one eye. Uh, Trick her into bringing them in from the underworld into the land of the living and mayhem ensues. Uh, You can watch this October 28th. I have to get an eye appointment. Yes, yes, you do. My God, that's bad. That's really bad. adjust the fucking zoom on my web browser because I'm a fucking old man now. Uh, What did you think of this? Did you think of it? This is probably the most promising of the trailers, but also like it. A lot of it was billed as like the return of Key and Peele because Key and Peele are voicing the mortician magicians. And it seems like they're just going to be like a very supplemental part of this 
So it feels like bad advertising or misleading advertising. Uh, I'm going to sue. But I mean, otherwise, it looks fine. I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen Coraline. I haven't watched Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I have uh, the the girl who played Nancy uh, from that movie on my mind because she was in the, the Midnight Club. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. That's the thing I'm talking about. Uh, I haven't watched that in years. <laughs> So like this does nothing for me. I'm sure it, I'm sure it'll be okay, uh, considering the director's track record and how everyone loves that shit. But this does nothing. Okay. Uh, next trailer is for CC. A family migrates to the city after a tragic loss. When they reunite in their hometown thirty years later, buried emotions and painful secrets resurface. CC from the writer and director of Ethos, Birkin Oya, comes to Netflix October 27th. Uh, the trailer told me none of that because it's like super art housey and looks more like. Like it's about making a movie of a movie because it's like showing them setting up shots and stuff. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, yes. Uh, however, I got a very specific director vibe from it. And he's not directing this movie. Okay. I wanted you oh, to guess. I'm supposed to guess. You're supposed to guess. Uh, uh, is it a director that you like? I've seen one of his movies, and I like that movie, so I guess. His style is very distinctive, and it's all over this trailer. Like, I feel like the, the director of this movie is blatantly ripping him off. Yeah, I don't know. It is Wes Anderson. I don't know that I've ever seen a Wes Anderson film. Oh, you, you may not have ever seen a Wes Anderson movie, but you've you've seen a Wes Anderson movie because his style is very particular, very symmetrical, very. Um, there's a couple shots where it's like through a rectangular window like that's mm -hmm. and it shows like the edges of the rectangular window. That's very Wes Anderson. There's some zoom ins that are extremely Wes Anderson. It's it, for some reason, this feels like a dramatic Wes Anderson movie. All right. I believe you. So, yeah, uh, it looks I see when when I read the synopsis and I was like, this is what the movie's about. Oh, OK, sure. Whatever you say, description of trailer. Because all yeah, I got cause it, was Wes Anderson, because it's not it's not mm. in there. No. Um, next trailer is for the bastard son and the devil himself. 16-year-old Nathan is the illegitimate son of the world's most dangerous witch. Fearing he will follow in his father's footsteps. Uh, <laughs> you cursed a day he was born of Frankenstein. Uh, sorry, young Frankenstein jokes. Uh, Nathan's closely monitored throughout his childhood. As the boundaries between good and bad fray, Nathan, along with mischievous Annalise and charismatic Gabriel, will soon discover who he truly is. The Bastard Son and the Devil Himself is written by Joe Barton, based on the half-bad books by Sally Green. Uh, the series boasts an entirely new score created by British pop group Let's Eat Grandma. Let's not. <laughs> Uh, my reaction to this trailer is you are now watching young adult movie. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's my only reaction to this trailer. It's a very young adult movie and, uh, that could be okay, but I don't care. Yeah, it's kind of the thing. We, we probably could have skipped downstream this week, but we have two more, so we'll talk about them. Yeah. The fourth trailer we're going to talk about is Roald Dahl's Matilda, the musical. A brand new take on the Tony and Oliver award-winning musical. Roald Dahl's Matilda the Musical tells the story of an extraordinary girl with a vivid imagination who dares to take a stand to change her story with miraculous results. Uh, this is based on the book by Roald Dahl. Uh, there was a movie of Matilda that came out when I was a child. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like a musical version of that. Uh, yeah, Matilda looks okay. Uh, the big controversy about this movie is that uh, Emma Thompson is wearing a fat suit. And people were uh, unhappy about that because they said a fat actress should have been cast as the headmistress. 
Christ, can we all just fuck off? No. <laughs> no. Like, a, a set photo got, or like, a, a fucking promotional still got shared of her, and it was like, why is Anna Thompson in a fat suit? Why is it okay to say that, but it's not okay to say a ginger actor should have been the Little Mermaid? Did I just step in it? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I get what you're saying, but people are going to take that completely out of context. Oh, I understand completely. <laughs> All right, our fifth and final trailer this week is for Wild is the Wind. In a small racially segregated town, a corrupt cop struggles to take responsibility for his part in the wrongful arrest of a black teenager charged for the brutal murder of a young Afrikaans girl. Um, when two corrupt police officers investigate the brutal murder of a young girl, tensions come to a head in their small racially segregated town. Um, this looks okay. I don't know if it's really, I don't know. I, I say this every, like literally every time we get a trailer for like a dramatic film, I don't go crazy for like realistic drama films. Yes. Which is fair. Uh, but yeah, this probably has the most potential of all of them. Uh, that includes, you know, Wendell and Wilde, which I still think could be good. But I think this has the most potential to be good, but it also has that sinking potential to be uh, dreadfully awful. I, I know that's like, hey, I'm covering the spectrum here. I just think uh, it has it ha what I'm saying is it has the most variance in quality uh, amongst all of the trailers. <sighs> yeah, that's probably accurate. So. All right. Uh. Let's get the fuck out of this segment and go over to Quick Hits. So, Dan, what are your Quick Hits? Uh, nothing. Uh, let, uh, I don't watch anything for this show, unless it's the actual things for the show. Uh, I will fix that, but yeah, right, right now I don't... I, I haven't really felt compelled to watch anything. All right, um... I don't know. I watched I did watch something on Netflix, but I also watched uh, something on Hulu that I kind of want to mention and then something on Disney Plus that I sort of want to mention. So I'll start with the the off brand things first. Uh, there's a new Hellraiser movie on Hulu. I don't know. Have you ever seen any of the Hellraiser movies, Dan? Yes, we've watched the first one for this show. That's then, what I thought. Uh, and then Corey showed me Hellraiser 4. Okay. Uh, and that was the first one I saw. You've seen the highest highs and the lowest lows. I've seen, uh, you know, it's, it's the best way that Corey ever introduces me to movies halfway through the series when they've <laughs> already jumped the shark. Yeah. Actually, from, uh, you know, people that are into those movies usually say that the fourth one's like the last good one. But uh, I would argue that the first one is the last good one. Uh, but no, the new one on Hulu is actually quite good. Uh, it's a new adaptation of like, it's, it's not really super close to the original movie or the novel that they're based on, which is called the Hellbound heart by Clive Barker. Um, but it's uh, something in between, I guess, but it like, it does its own thing. It's, uh, true to the spirit of the original. And it's pretty good, and I like it. Well, okay, then. And that's, and that's all I'll say, because I think that it's something that should be experienced and not explained. Uh, and then over on Disney+, Plus, uh, I watched the finale of She-Hulk. Actually, I like that show. If you hate the finale of She-Hulk, you hate women, maybe. That's true. I kind of just wanted to bring it up because I think that it's hysterical and prescient that like they apparently they just knew what they were getting into because like, you know, as soon as the show came out, like incels started complaining about it. Yes, it sounds like and, incels. Then, and then the plot of it 
was that She-Hulk has to take down a group of incels. But like uh, the final episode does like full fourth wall break, which like was always a feature of She-Hulk comics. But it's like the fucking Disney Plus app glitches out and it like kicks you out of the show back into the menu. And then like She-Hulk pushes open the fucking like the thing on the the interface that you click on to play She-Hulk. She like pushes it open and like comes out and huh. goes into the real world and gets in a fight with Kevin Feige and shit about how the series is going. Uh, it's extremely meta and bizarre. It's, it sounds like a fucking fever dream. What the fuck? <laughs> it really is. And it's just like, hey, why the fuck does every Marvel thing have to end its the same way? Like, why can't we just do our own thing on this one? Uh, the only thing I know about She-Hulk is that She-Hulk and Daredevil fuck. And that's all I care about. Oh, yeah. I don't need to know anything else. I don't care. Uh, I'm done with Marvel until Daredevil. Maybe we'll see if Daredevil, you know. Is any good if people say it's any good, but yeah, uh, people are like, why aren't you watching She-Hulk? And it's like, because I've given up on Marvel entirely. I don't <laughs> find it compelling. See, that's so like, uh. I don't know. I I feel no compulsion to watch all the Marvel things. Like I'll just grab bits and pieces of it that seem funny or interesting to me. But I have no skin in the game at this point. That's fair. Uh my reason for not feeling compelled is that uh if you went to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, you had no idea why Wanda was so fucking upset and wanted to get children if you didn't watch WandaVision. And that is a yeah. distinct possibility that you did not watch that show. So, like, uh, if if I wanted all of my comic book stories to bleed into each other, I'd just read comics. Yeah, you can just read comics. Because, like, I think they've gotten away from doing it in, like, the modern age of comics. But, like, I don't know. I would just pick up a random issue of Spider-Man or something. And it was like, Spider-Man would say something. And it's like there would be an asterisk in his yep. speech bubble. And then at the bottom, it would be like to see what he's talking about. Read uh, Uncanny X-Men volume 356. And it's like, why? I don't know. Like, it, it's like there was a quota of like references to other Marvel things per yes. comic book. Because they would usually do it two or three times per issue. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, let's not forget that he left the entire Civil War arc because uh, his, his because Aunt May got fucking killed by the Green Goblin. Mm hmm. And then uh, we have the the story arc one more day and I hate it. Uh, and that has had long running ramifications and you would have no idea that that, that story even happened unless you read Civil War, uh, which also fed the nine different fucking comic books. It's just like, oh my god, I don't fucking care. I don't care. Yeah, so that's it's why I stopped reading comic books. And now uh, I'm getting the comic book experience with my movies, and I don't like it. Yeah. And then the other thing I watched is Hubie Halloween. So. Yeah. Okay. It was always loud. I just yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's just as okay as when we watched it two years ago. What a shock. A uh, movie that was always okay and everyone just hated because it had Adam Sandler starring in it was okay. Yeah. Um, I still feel bad for Kevin James. Uh, I feel like he's he's dying to make his friends happy because every one of these movies, uh, they just, you know, make jokes at the expense of his weight. And it's like, well, you know, that like there's been movies where like he'll get pretty thin or you know just like not you know like he has like it's his body type you know like genetics is a factor but like there's movies where he'll get like in decent shape and then like you'll see him in something three months later and he's just like like uh, Sandy Wexler he like just looked really unhealthy in that and I'm just like is is Adam Sandler killing Kevin James? I have to ask myself these questions. But really, like, 
the best thing about this movie by far is uh, gags of things being thrown at Adam Sandler's head. That is correct. And uh, his mom's T-shirts that she doesn't get the meaning of because uh, she's wearing a shirt that says boner donor. And then uh, I don't know. At one point, she has a shirt that says kayaking makes me wet like shit like that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. It's the best part of the movie. Everybody likes it. Uh, but then, like, I don't know, the beginning scene where uh, Adam Sandler is riding his bike through town, there's, like, kids throwing shit at him. But then, like, every time he's on his bike for the rest of the movie, there's just shit flying from off screen, and he's, like, dodging around it, yep. uh, including at one point an entire watermelon and a cinder block. Uh, and then there's a part where he's like running from people in the woods and a flaming spear just like impales into a tree right in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 actually you would think it's, it would get played out. It's fucking surreal, but like it's funny every time you would think it would get played out after a while. But it was it, it just kept escalating. Like if it just kept being like. The only way, other way without escalating would be very funny is if it was just the same three things every single time. But that's just my take on it. Yeah. The cinder block really got me. <laughs> I had, I had to back up and confirm what my eyes had told me. So. But uh, that's it. Oh, uh, that's fantastic. I'm glad you enjoyed Huey, Hall- uh, Huey Halloween. Huey Halloween. I'll get into more more of the Halloween spirit. Uh, uh, speaking of which, let's talk about uh, a thing after a quick break. Uh, we'll talk about the Midnight Club from Mike Flanagan. The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our wonderful patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, the Mike Rula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy Delarosa, Chris Yaney, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Casey Moore, Jason the Nerdrovert, Sam the Hurlahe Boy Hurley, Nick Haskins, David Powell, and my mom. If you'd like to join that illustrious list of patrons, visit patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. Or, if you'd like to support us without spending any money, you can share our podcast on social media, tell a friend, or review the podcast on any podcatcher. It'd be greatly appreciated. Now, back to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, time to get our main view topic for the week. Mike Flanagan's The Midnight Club. The Midnight Club is a new drama horror mystery uh, series on Netflix. Uh, it follows a group of eight terminally ill patients at Brightcliff Hospice, who begin to gather together at midnight to share scary stories. It's a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, it's 10 episodes, like you said, created by Mike Flanagan and uh, stars young actors. Yes. Dan, what did you think of The Midnight Club? Basically, pretty much exactly what I thought going into it, which was that this was going to be lesser Flanagan. Uh, it's still good. Uh, but there's one character who in particular ruins the show. And then uh, when that character goes away, they attempt to retcon that character ever being a pleasant human being uh, to which I had to scream the television every single time that no, this person wasn't a pleasant human being and actively dragged down the show with how awful they were. Uh, But it's a, it's a story all about death and confronting death and how people confront death. And that's why that person was particularly awful because they uh, confronted death by being a cold person, uh, therefore making them a cunt. Well, shit. I thought that person was fine. It was, I don't know. That's the thing. Like each of the people reacts to death a different way. Uh, hers is to be, uh, the, a, sh- a real shit to everybody. Yes. And I don't like that. Uh, it might be realistic, but that doesn't like that doesn't make the character good or cool or interesting. It just makes them awful. 
Well, yeah, like as as a character, like they're never. They never become like a the sympathetic character. We're we're getting like deep in the weeds on on one want, particular yeah, thing I, right I off the gate. But like, but like to the kids, like they come to an understanding by the time like it's all said and done. That said, like the episode that is primarily focused on that character uh, as they're basically on their deathbed and like having a DMT trip as their brain shuts down. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty good episode. Uh, yeah, sure. And then um, so I, I don't want to get too deep into it right now. Well, we'll get we'll get into it in spoilers. It's going to be my main complaint about the show. Uh, and then how they have to have a new worst character and the new worst character is uh, bad, not as bad, but still bad. So, like. I like the theme, uh, I like what they're doing, I like the also pseudo anthology that they're also they're doing with the show, like they're yeah. each of the kid te- each of the kids tells a story uh, during the midnight club. And then, you know, we follow their events throughout the day of like what their daily life is in hospice. And each of their stories ties into the themes of their own character arc. Write what you know, as someone in the show says, and also every English major ever. Whoever wrote the dictionary must be really smart. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Broad strokes. uh, It's a hospice for kids who are terminally ill. Before it was that. It was the home of a cult that was looking for, like, the secret to eternal life, I guess. Yes. Or, like, extended life, magical healing, that kind of thing. Uh, But they got real weird and culty with it. But, like, there is something to it, uh, supposedly. And uh, girl finds out about being terminally ill starts researching, finds out uh, a girl who had the same illness she does was uh, released from this place with a completely clean bill of health Mm -hmm. after some strange event happened to her. Uh, So she gets her foster dad to send her there so that she can try to find it too and survive forever. Uh, Yes. This leads to dramatic tension. Uh, so I don't know. I don't really have much more to say, non-spoiler wise. I I think like I think it's fine. I feel like a character kind of brings down the show. It's also a relative downer in the first place because it's just a bunch of sick kids with cancer or AIDS. Yeah, it's just a bunch of dying kids. And that's uh, that's that's sad because you know they're kids. They haven't done anything yet. They haven't experienced anything, and they're already dealt one of the worst hands you could possibly be dealt. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Dr. Tran, I am in the pediatric AIDS program. <laughs> <laughs> Black is the night you got cancer. What is cancer? I thought you said AIDS. Same thing. Uh, anything else not spoiler wise for you? The first episode has the worst story. <laughs> Because oh, it's yeah. really, it's really annoying. Uh, so push through it; they get better. Yeah, because what that one's just like a kid walks in the middle of the street, and then uh, a girl and then is jump like, scare, jump scare, jump scare. It's so awkward. it's so awful. Uh, and, and like that's something Netflix was touting was like, hey, Mike Flanagan set the world record for most jump scares in an episode. I just went, why? Why would that be a world record you ever wanted? Because jump scares, fu- and they even call it out in the episode, jump scares fucking suck. They don't, they're not actually scary. You're just jump startled. Yeah. My wife had the TV volume way up when we watched it, uh, and it was severe ear rape. So thanks, Mike Flanagan. But yes, uh, push through that first episode, they get better. Okay. Uh, spoiler. Thank Let you. me just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. 
Okay, I could describe it. Um, imagine you're in a room. No, no, like no, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, yeah, yet. but the ending is awesome. So if I could just Son play of the bitch, this is what you always do. You always spoil stuff uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance okay, to see it. Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. All right, uh, I fucking hate Anya. This is the character I'm talking about. Because all she is is just miserable to everybody. And just like, ah, that's just Anya. And I'm just like, no, no, this is just a miserable person and yeah. uh, a very toxic person. And I do, and then if I was there, I would want nothing to do with her. Uh, and then she dies. And I was immediately thankful because she needed to leave the show. It's OK for you to not like her. I'm not going to defend her. Uh, and I want to just say, it's not the actor's fault that the character is portrayed like this. It is the writing's fault, 100%. So, I don't know. Maybe don't don't write a, an insufferable person. Maybe just don't do that. I don't know. Insufferable people exist, so. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, like I said, I was fine with it. It's, uh, you know, it's a type of character that you can put in a show. Yeah. Uh, and then... After after Anya dies, Alonka becomes the worst character in the show. Because she just doesn't listen to anybody and is j- just says the stupidest shit and then breaks every rule and because they need to keep the main character in the show, they just ignore her breaking every rule. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, also, things things that uh, Mike Flanagan needs to do in his future series. Uh, Samantha Sloyan needs to be a hero at some point because this is now the second time that she's been the secret bad guy, uh, and we don't like that. We want her to be a secret good guy. <laughs> I mean that that character, like, if you couldn't tell what was going on from the jump, there, it's like. Have you have you seen movies or TV before? I knew she I knew she was trouble when she walked in. Nothing. OK. And uh, eh, Trevor, Trevor. So there's that. Uh, but like I didn't like I actually called it in like the third episode that she would be, you know, the girl that got healed and, and left and uh, was ultimately, you know. Proven correct, because I'm a smart yeah. boy. I don't know. She she showed up and met Alonka in the woods, and I was like, oh, look, this is uh, the person who used to live here. Yeah. Uh, also, I've recently found the new Pokemon evolution. Uh, it is uh, Sadie Sink evolves into younger girl who portrays uh, uh, Samantha Sloyan's character, and then Samantha Sloyan. Yes. So prepare for that meme. I don't know. I, I'm very lukewarm in this series. Uh, I think it's perfectly fine. I, I, I don't have many thoughts on it. it. It just was like, this is a nice pseudo anthology story wrapped around with a, uh, a wrapping of like a real story around it. So I appreciate what you're doing here. Uh, I just hope you clean it up a little bit for <laughs> next season. I appreciate what you're doing with your hands there, Dracula. I fall to the ground. I've seen Mike Flanagan shows before, and this is one of them. It it kind of slots right in there with yeah. the the kind of thing that he does. Just you know, more more young adulty. Yeah, and I think it's the big thing is it's young adult, so it doesn't connect with me as hard. Uh, versus something like Midnight Mass, which was like higher concept, and therefore I appreciated much more. Like this is like I, I do appreciate the overall concept of confronting death and confronting your death and mortality, but uh, I, I don't think the young adult route uh, particularly speaks with me on this. Are there any of the stories in particular that you want to talk about? Because that's kind of the main feature of the show. Yeah. Um. Let me Aside think. from just like spooky cult things in between them. Well, the cult is like heavily underexplored. Is the the like it's just like, hey, there was a cult here. Oh, okay, cool. 
Yeah, they were they were misguided, but now, but they were onto something. But we're not going to tell you about them. Thank thanks, Mike Flanagan. Yeah, it and this is definitely angling for a second season. So I feel like the show is going to explore the cult more in the second season, if it gets a second season. Apparently, the uh, its first week on Netflix was not very good. So I don't know if this is going to hit or be a hit and get a second season. But uh, considering it's Mike Flanagan and your Netflix, and uh, if he wants to do it, I would just give him the blank check to do it because uh, most of the stuff he does works. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I like the story Road to Nowhere. Uh, I did catch on eventually with what was, yeah. was happening, but I, yeah, I really I like that one. Uh, Henry Thomas, I think is his name, who's been in every Mike Flanagan Netflix. Oh, actually, was he in Midnight? I don't think he was in Midnight Mass, but uh, he was uh, the dad in The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, he was the uncle in Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, I liked him as uh, Freedom Jack. Freedom Jack and Poppycorn. They're in a rock band. They're in a rock band. And, uh, you know, whenever that's revealed to be what it is, I was like, oh, I very much enjoy this. This is a great characterization of uh, one, clinical depression, and two, uh, somebody's mind absolutely going berserk because they're dying. Yeah. No, that was a cool story. Um, The other one that... I liked quite a bit is like the the time travely one where they have to go back and like get the kid oh, yeah. to beat the video game to prevent nuclear war. I don't know. Like it it sounds lame saying it because that's really all there is to it. But like. And they reference war games like the movie war games like. Turns out the way to win the game and prevent nuclear war is to not arm your nuclear weapons and just say, I'm not playing the game of nuclear conflict. Yeah. And then nuclear war doesn't happen. Yeah. Easy peasy. Uh, my other favorite story was the 1940s pulp detective throwback. Yeah, that one was good. I liked the, the old timey fast talking high trousers of it. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate that. And, uh, kind of sad that that girl left the show because she healed because we're, we're not going to get any more detective pulpy stories unless they write another character who gives detective pulpy stories uh in which case cool uh i feel like we're out of things to say about it so yeah. what would you rate it uh, like i said i'm very middling on this show like there are definitely high points but there's also a, a massive low point uh it's also setting up for a second season uh, which is something Mike Flanagan shows have never done before. Like we've now been through three limited series of Mike Flanagan shows. So this is the first time he's been setting up a second season. Cause what's, what's, what's her fucking Greek name? It's like Sloster or something like that. Or Sh- or Shasta, something like that. Uh, yeah. Julia Jane, like she runs off and we still have to deal with her. Uh, Nancy from nightmare on Elm street removes a wig and has the same tattoo as the Paragon. So is she Athena, the 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 woman's daughter, uh, and now runs the clinic? Uh, what happened with Paragon in the first place? There's many questions to be answered, uh, and it's possible we get them on the next exciting episode of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> so, uh, f- but based off of what we have, uh, kind of lackluster. So I'm going to go flat three. Yeah, it's all right. Flat three. All right, uh, and now for something completely different. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. Uh, we have a patron review this week for... Uh uh, a movie Chris Yaney gave us called Just Short of Perfect. Uh, this is about a divorce lawyer falling for a charismatic cardiologist. 
But when their difference in size leads to family friction, is she ready to listen to her heart? This is a romantic comedy movie. Uh, it's a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, it's about a normal sized woman with uh, a Don't short you, man. You can't say that. You, you can't you can't say normal because then that makes the non-normal people feel bad. Oh, fuck. just like just like playing cards. Yeah, it's about a full size person and a fun size person. Sure. That's definitely something you could say. Uh, what'd you think of the movie? Uh, I thought it was actually quite funny. I also thought it was quite funny. Yeah. the And you know what? Like, they never do a thing where, like, she's like, I don't want to go out with him because he's short. You know, he's just like. So, so charming and dapper that he just, you know, kind of wins her instantly. And then all the issues come from her family being shitty. Well, her mom just being shitty. It's it's yeah. just her mom. Everybody else in the family is more than fine with everything happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he also ends up in a bunch of zany situations like having to dance in a bunny suit with two drag queens. Uh, which is the funniest fucking thing I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, he operates on the Pope. For some cause, reason. Because he's a cardiologist. Uh, and I always love... One of the love, best in the world, I'm told. I, I love in Spanish and uh, Portuguese when they refer to the Pope because he's always Papa. And it's Papa. just like, that's just so funny. I don't know why that's so fucking funny, but it is. Uh, but yeah, like he's the best. Their relationship is great up until the story decides it needs to stop being great. Uh, when her ex-husband plays audio of like her saying uh, how the office is too small and she needs a bigger office, and he plays it being like, I don't... This is what she really thinks about you, short man. And he takes yeah. it to heart for some reason. He does not understand he is small. That's gold member. That's gold member. So, uh, yeah, it it's really sweet. Up until it stops being sweet, which is the moment when it starts being a romantic comedy thing again. Mm-hmm. And I and I laughed a lot. I like for the first like forty five minutes, I laughed quite a bit. Uh, him taking her skydiving is fucking hysterical. Uh, it looks like shit, and because uh, like they're in front of a green screen in a plane, and they have like this fucking GoPro footage of them looking down at the ground, which is whatever. Uh, also, I, I do actually want to say like the technical stuff that they were doing is somewhat funny, uh, because there are times where you can tell they're actually doing forced perspective shots. Uh, and then there's other yeah. times where you can tell they're doing it out of a green screen. That was what I wanted to bring up. Cause like for the first 20 or minutes or so, his height fluctuates wildly <laughs> I actually thought it was a joke during the show or during the movie <laughs> that they were just increasingly shrinking him. Yeah, it was like by the end of the movie, he's going to be like up to her ankle. <laughs> and, uh, uh, <laughs> but, you know, also good for him because he's apparently a tripod. <laughs> what is that? A kick? What, you got a kickstand there? Oh, <laughs> I didn't do Michael Caine for that, but that's uh, that's also from Goldmember. <laughs> yeah, my cocaine. So yeah, um, this movie's funny to a degree. Uh, it's really funny seeing him be short in shots because I'm like 95% sure they had him just stand on his fucking knees for those shots and, <laughs> and move around. Because it looks like he, the way he moves around, if you watch him, the way, if he turns and uh, he's in a shot where like he's shown to be short, uh, he he like kind of waddles. So you can clearly tell he's on his fucking knees to walk around for that shot. Yeah. I don't know. I enjoyed. Uh, he'll he'll still just like whoop wholesale ass like nobody can catch this smoke. Mm -hmm. um, and then he like breakdance fights a guy. Yeah, we love it. And like, also, of all the instruments for him to play, he plays the upright bass, the largest of instruments. 
Uh, it, always subverting your expectations, this movie. Yeah. His tiny, skilled hands are the only things that can repair the delicate valves and capillaries of the Pope's heart, so we all love him. We love him. Uh, thank you for saving Papa. So yeah, like this movie's relatively unremarkable. Like there, I think, like I said, I think the relationship is cool and interesting. And like, like you said, at no point is she ever like, "Oh, I shouldn't be with this man because he's short." There is a time where his uh, her mom meets him, and she's like, "Look how small he is! Like he's just so little, little. He fits right in. Just fits right in." And She's like, well, well, what is he like? Are you, are you guys dating? And she's like, oh, no, we're friends. And it's like, ah, the beginning of the end or like the beginning of the, the third act where they have to have their problems. It's so weird, too. It's like they have to do that to manufacture stakes, because in the very next scene, she tells her mom that they're dating. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's so dumb. It's extremely dumb that they do that because it, you it are makes really no dumb for real. For real. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they did that so early. Like, I feel like you just move that scene to later in the movie. Now, of course, uh, the next scene is that that and then it moves into the fist fight, which is also hilarious because uh, you can tell that they got a either a an actual little person to portray him or b a child to portray him as just like hanging off this fucking dude's back oh jesus (laughs) and there was also that time where they're walking out of uh, her apartment building and i'm pretty sure they just stuck a wig on a child and fucking uh just sent him on sent him on the way with this this adult woman yeah it's pretty great uh it's it's perfectly average. Uh, I I enjoyed I enjoyed this movie uh, up until they manufactured drama, and then I stopped enjoying the movie as much. So that's that's my review. That's my take on this movie. I understand, and I see you. Thank you. No, no, Anything no. else? You I, say? Uh, like I say, it's uh, it's funny. It's a funny little movie. Um, I enjoyed. You know, they start having a rocky patch and she has like a pillar in her house. And she's like, there's a part where she's like trying to mark the height. Of where she thinks, like how tall he is on the post so that like she can practice the logistics of like hugging him and things. Yeah. But then like. They start to have trouble and. She like. Is like holding and hugging this post because she'd like it's like her surrogate boyfriend. Yeah, it's well, funny. The, the upset montage takes about two minutes too. like it's just it's just uh, a series of shots of them being places and crying like he, he even cries in the fucking operating table. For some reason, I don't yeah, know, as he's as he's doing a heart surgery. Yeah, it's, it's uh, funny. And then uh, they profess their love for each other at uh, a gay person's wedding, her gay brother's wedding. And it's just like, what? How dare you take away from these gay people's special day? They yeah. fought so much. They fought for so many years to have rights to have this day. And now you're removing it from them. How dare you? Well, also, it's like. It kind of treads into some weird territory where it's like, oh, me dating a short person is just like my brother dating a man, like people are going to judge us. It's like. You could say that, but you could also just shut the fuck up. Yeah. You could just shut the fuck. You could just never speak again about anything. I don't know. I, I don't know what I was trying to do. Was it, was it trying to say that? Because it's like, I think the only way that works like that that message they're going for the only way that works is if you actually cast a little person as the main actor and not just a 511 man who stands on his knees whenever they need a short person to appear in the show and then call the movie just short of perfect yes like don't don't do that don't don't try to compare short people struggle to gay people don't do it. And and then uh the barista asks if she wants another short coffee or a tall coffee. 
and she gets flustered. Uh, I definitely went tall. I like tall. I, I mean, that's also what you're seeing when she goes to pick up her phone, because that's the inciting incident is like she loses her phone and this man finds it. And she's looking at all the tall yeah. dudes and they're all so tall. And he's like, excuse me, home, because that's what he refers to her as, because that's the number he calls uh, to, you know, have her pick up her phone. Uh, and, and then she just like looks out and there's nothing. And then she has to look down to see a man standing on his knees. Yeah. This woman's not a responsible adult. She cannot be trusted to own a cell phone. I know. Why? Why? How is she a lawyer if she constantly loses her cell phone? How is she expected to keep a person out of jail or uh, allow a wife to keep all of the alimony money that she's earned? <laughs> Single female lawyer having lots of sex. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't know if Chris Yaney finds these movies because he's trying to fuck with us or what, but. Is uh, pretty good. Uh, well, he he watched it, and then I said I was watching it, and he said, "May God have mercy on your soul." And then also followed it up with, "I hope you guys got something out of it more than I did." Uh, and we did. We we seem to genuinely enjoy this movie to a degree, but just understand, everybody, it's fairly formulaic after a certain point. So, yeah. uh, the the first thirty minutes kind of carries it through with all its ridiculous events, like operating on the Pope and a skydiving scene that looks like it was shot in front of like a $4 green screen. And yeah. uh, a, a little man, I just in a bunny costume. I don't know. I just don't understand how, you know, uh, a successful, wealthy uh, surgeon who is both talented and uh, immensely charming and has a massive hog could end up getting the girl. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I love it. All right. Anything else about uh, just short of perfect? Nope. All right. Uh, what would you give it? Probably like a three. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to give it a three. Uh, now, of course, we've given both things today threes. Uh, both have different qualifications for it being a three. So just That's be true. sure that we don't think that Midnight Club and Just Short of Perfect are the same thing or the same quality. Or or are indeed like in any way comparable. No. So there's that. Uh, next week on the show, we'll be talking about the school for good and evil. Why do I have this on uh, the schedule? I don't know. Uh, but there's nothing that comes out, and this is a thing. So there. Damn you. Uh, and on the back half, I don't know. Uh, I put three question marks, because I always put three question marks whenever I don't know what I want. So, uh, Caleb, g go for it. Give us something. Daddy. Uh, you know what we could do? Um, just because I stumbled upon it here. I've never seen the movie Point Break, and I always hear about it, so we could watch it. Oh, the uh, Keanu and uh, Patrick Swayze and, movie? And Swayze, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ashley made me watch that a few years ago whenever I was making her watch all the Fast and Furious movies, because uh, the first Point Break movie and the yeah. first Fast and Furious movie are exactly the same. Oh, cool. Uh Famously, it's the one where Keanu plays an FBI agent. I am an FBI agent. Uh, and anytime an FBI agent now comes up on screen, I just go, I am an FBI <laughs> agent. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm good with that. That's cool. Cool. Uh, every now and then, I just try to fill in a gap. All right. Uh, well, you can find the show at Netflix and Swill.com. It's your one-stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill. Uh, also, check out Two Pieces on a Podcast, posting every week. Uh, Rabbit Ears TV Podcast, posting an episode uh, sometime this Friday, uh, which will be Ashley and Paul from The Countdown talking about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. All right. Uh, thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter, which is... Uh, the the smell of the herbal tea that the girl had in her room 
that her roommate freaked out about, and it set the pace for the rest of their entire relationship. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Uh, It's true. And until next week, this is Caleb saying, we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.